0: Remember, as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Greetings Tomatoes, I'm Cheryl Benton, your host of this episode of the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast, and we're going to have a great time today with our guests because we're going to be dishing the dish on the A-list celebrities, and when doing good goes bad. Cooper Lawrence is a multiple Gracie Award-winning radio personality. She's been heard in New York on many stations over nearly 20 years in radio, including host of her own syndicated radio show. And among her many television appearances, she was the therapist on BH1's Confessions of a Teen Idol, She was an original cast member on Fox's Dish Nation and the relationship expert on The Tyra Show. She's the author of seven books, which includes her just published book, Celebritocracy, The Misguided Agenda of Celebrity Politics in a Postmodern Democracy. And if those accomplishments weren't enough, she also has a PhD in developmental psychology from Fordham University. So welcome, Cooper. Thank you so much, Cheryl.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for reading all of my credits. Make sure oh, you tell my mother about them. I will.
0: <laughs> well, they're pretty fabulous. You deserve to have them read. You've achieved them all. <laughs> and really, you. congratulations on this new book, Celebritocracy. I hope I'm saying that right because- <laughs> You are? Okay. One, I'm telling you, the only one who has- I've
1: been, I've been doing press for my book for a little while now, and people are like, can you pronounce this name? It's, it's a made-up word, so I don't expect I people to know I, it. And I know, and
0: I, and I love the word, and I think it's going to become a, a part of our <laughs> lexicon for sure. And then, as I said, the second part description of the book, The Misguided Agenda of Celebrity Politics in a Postmodern Democracy, which is a lot to say, almost yes. sort of made it sound like maybe it was going to be a textbook, but it is Far from that because it is funny witty and serious and I really I, I just loved it and it thank really you does. so
1: much thank you it,
0: it, it exposes all the nonfictional accounts of the many instances instances when celebrity activism ends up causing more harm than good. And it was really eye-opening for me, I have to say. So now I know that this is actually the second book that you've done on celebrity, because your other book is titled The Cult of Celebrity, What Our Fascination with the Stars Reveals About Us. So what is it about celebrity that fascinates, fascinates you, and what motivated you to write a second book about it?
1: You know, what's interesting is one of my very first jobs, this is going to sound bizarre, one of my very first jobs is I was a personal assistant to Shelley Winters when I was a kid. I was a teenager. And seeing the world of celebrity from the inside was so fascinating that that was the moment that I was like, wow, this is a whole different culture, a whole different life. Like She doesn't get treated like the rest of us. And at a really young age, I was just super interested in what that was about. So everything I did after that was all about um sort of investigating that and that's what i got my phd in basically like um how celebrity culture affects our self-worth and the way we think about ourselves the way we think about politics um, our political decision making so this is something i've been interested in for a long time which is also what led me to the vh1 show and everything else as a quote-unquote celebrity expert just for years of being a fly on the wall Uh, Because it wasn't just Shelley Winters, I went and worked for um, Fisher Stevens and a bunch of other actors along the years that I've just sort of, from, you know, a perspective of just literally somebody standing there watching this unfold. Uh, So I've always been fascinated. And then uh, Cult of Celebrity really left out a lot of stuff about like social media. Social media wasn't a thing yet. When I wrote the book, it was 2006, 2007. It was really early when I started researching it. So social media hadn't had the impact that it does now. So this book is not only a follow-up, but, you know, I've matured. I've, you know, I'm, I'm an adult now. I'm not a kid anymore. So Cult of Celebrity was a little more like, hey, here's how celebrity culture affects us. Oh, my God. You know, now it's a lot more serious because I'm seeing how celebrity culture affects our political decision-making and sometimes in a very negative way. And then the last thing is, you know, when we look at a celebrity that we like and they say, give to this cause. You might just open your pocketbook and give to that cause without doing the research, assuming the celebrity did the research. And for the most part, they haven't because they're celebrities. They're not experts. So it's also a cautionary tale.
0: Well, and it, and it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I just love the, the, how you, the the perspective that you took in in listening in, in uh, really looking into this. And I know that there are, So many times when we've heard celebrities espousing their opinions on everything from global warming, human rights, and then, of course, politics. And so often they use the platform of getting an award for whatever they're doing to make some impassioned Speech, or sometimes a rambling speech, and I don't know about you, but there are times I have just wanted to scream at the TV. And yeah, it's frustrating, right? Yeah, please just accept the award for what you did because you're an actor, and please, like, stick to that, right? So, so I love how your book actually explores the psychology of celebrity activism, and you say it's a relatively modern phenomenon. So, can you talk about that some?
1: It's a very modern phenomenon because in the past, celebrities never came to us. They didn't expect us to solve their problems. They went to politicians and they sat on committees and they went to committees. For example, you know, I think about like Elia Kazan and Ronald Reagan. They went to the House on American act- Activities to discuss communism in Hollywood. That's something that affected them directly. They right. wanted answers. They wanted it changed. So they're not going to come to us to go take to the streets and rally on their behalf you know, what do I care about? I mean, maybe I care about communism in Hollywood, but it doesn't really affect me. So they had gone to the people that could make those changes. And as recent as the 80s, I think about musicians who went to Congress to urge them to oppose parental warnings on explicit lyrics on CDs and you know, music at the time, because that affected them. So it really, the modern concept is that celebrities realize that you can ask the public directly to help your cause, but then you have to look at the motive. You know, it's very rare that you get somebody that it's just completely altruistic. You know, maybe Bob Barker and John Stewart are the two that come to mind. Like Bob right. Barker, spay and neuter your pets. He doesn't have a, a dog. I mean, pun intended. He doesn't <laughs> have a dog in that fight um, because you know he's not a dog. He doesn't need to be. But that's something he really cared about. So that's altruism. John Stewart coming forward for the nine eleven victims who wanted to get the money that they deserved again he's not a firefighter he doesn't have any skin in that game so that's true altruism but most celebrities when they stump for a cause it's not altruism it's either uh some form of arrogance where they feel that they i mean there's there's studies about this for example like um in a 2012 book called celebrity humanitarianism the author really explains this really well about how celebrities are basically narcissists and they delight in their own good fortune as they play out the roles of superheroes in real life like saving the planet helping farmers helping the starving or the less fortunate and that becomes about them then you also get the celebrities that have activism because it's a pr stunt they've done wrong you know chris brown beating up rihanna every dime he made after that for the next year or two went to domestic violence causes. So does he care about domestic violence? I mean, maybe he does now, but he did it as a PR move so that we no longer hate him for punching Rihanna, somebody that we really loved. So it's, it's rare that you get a celebrity that is asking us to open our wallets on the behalf of something that, or, or fight on the behalf of something that is truly altruistic.
0: Yeah and you t- you you have a fascinating take too on the difference between empathy and a narcissism. Right. <laughs> You know, and there's, there's, there's definitely a, a. Well, that's a
1: big, but Cheryl, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a big fallacy that people have about celebrities. They feel like, well, celebrities must be really empathetic to play these characters. And it's, he's such a good actor. He must have such empathy for this horrible person he just played, but it's not what what celebrities have because of playing those characters. And this has been very well researched is they have empathy overload. they, are so involved. They have so much stress due to their careers Mm -hmm. that when it comes to their real lives, they're actually less empathetic because they've, they left it all on the stage. They left it all on the screen. So they have less and they do it for more selfish reasons.
0: That's that's just really fascinating. I, I, I loved reading about that in the book. So now let's get to the dishy stuff because okay. <laughs> you certainly you certainly do not tiptoe around tearing apart most of the highly publicized charitable and activist efforts of some of our favorite celebrities. And we're talking the big names here. We're talking Oprah, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and many, many more. And One of the things that really shocked me in reading about this is that, you know, we probably all heard the start of something they were doing for a a charitable or or for good, but this was the first time I actually heard the endings, and a lot of these have been really, really bad endings, and early in your book, you talked about uh, the very famous live aid concert in 1985, and I think that was probably the start of the huge global activism efforts on behalf of of celebrities. but that had a terrible ending. And honestly, it was an ending I wasn't even aware of. So do you mind sharing that story? I don't want to give away too much of the book because we want people <laughs> to get, to read about all of these. But that was fascinating.
1: Yeah, this is a really sad story. So Live Aid, and it's funny you bring that up now because it's the 35-year anniversary of Live Aid. And everybody is out on Twitter and Facebook celebrating it. But what they don't realize is all of that money. So we raised $127 million for Live aid, uh, which is money that we gave to what we thought was going to be for Ethiopia for famine. That's what the whole thing was about. There was a famine in Ethiopia. We were giving money to help that not be the case anymore. But what we didn't know is that the Ethiopian leader, Megistu Mariam is his name or was his name. He was not this benevolent leader who was trying to help his poor people and he turned to Bob Gildoff and America and Can You Help Us? He was actually an evil dictator. He created the famine that we were there trying to help and according to this is what's really fascinating so it was bob guccione jr and his sister nina who uncovered all of this they did a lot of research and they wrote several articles about this but it didn't get very much press even at the time i think rolling stone wrote about it spin magazine so it's out there but it just didn't get the press it deserves what happened to that 127 million dollars well uh mariam this ethiopian leader took every dime of that handed it over to the russians and purchased weaponry military weaponry which he then used to slaughter tens of thousands of his own people so there was a civil war going on in ethiopia that we didn't know about because again we didn't have it was it's you can't you couldn't google it back then you had to go to the library get microfiche you know it was hard to find this information out and bob Geldof, because again he's a celebrity not an expert and not a researcher didn't know about this and organized this amazing festival that was just, I mean, the sweep of it, when we think about live aid, but it's horrifying to know that that money went towards killing people, not helping people. And that's the the problem. People don't know the, they, they, they don't bother to see what happened to the money. They just see how much money we raised. They don't ask, well, where'd that money go? How much of it went to famine? How much of it went in somebody's pocket? Um, exactly. So that's, that's the cautionary tale of this book. Before you open your wallet and give money to any sort of charity, do your own research. Don't rely on a celebrity because they don't do their research. If Bob Geldof didn't figure out where that $127 million was going, you know how can you rely on somebody like Ashton Kutcher who's promising that he found a great charity? You know, you just You can't really trust the celebrity. If you're gonna give to charity, give to your own. But the last thing I wanna say about Live Aid that is important, it did have a very positive impact on how celebrities started to use their their voice. Um, Bono looked at Live Aid and thought, "Huh," and he started his charity, Red, which is on the up and up. Every dime that he says is going mm-hmm. towards what it's going towards does. So, even though Live Aid was a disaster in the end, it did spawn, you know, even Rob Thomas. Uh, another musician, has all this money that he raises for children's hospitals. And it, he says it was that moment at Live Aid that he thought, wow, musicians can make a difference. Right. It, so the became legacy, a new model. Yeah, yeah exactly. The model. legacy of Live Aid is a good thing. The money is where it didn't really right. go where we thought it was going to go.
0: Right. Well, I'm glad it's just not me who wasn't paying attention and didn't know the horrible ending to that story because I just the first time I knew about it was reading your book right. so so that really brings up another question though so the media is all over these celebrities, usually when they first start off doing something good, but they don't seem to actually cover the bad endings. And I know we've heard a little bit about, you know, Brad Pitt's houses in New Orleans, which are now crumbling that we haven't heard a lot, but you give this example of Oprah with Angel Lane, which I I never even heard of it in the first place. And certainly the media isn't talking about the bad endings with these celebrities. Why is that?
1: Well, the, the Daily Mail did 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 do an expose on all of this. They wrote extensively on it, but nobody picked up on it because look, hero worship is a thing. Nobody wants to believe that Oprah's flawed. Every, you know, it's it. People can't be all good or all bad. There's gray areas. There are things about people that aren't perfect, and Oprah, frankly, was taken advantage of by the companies, and um, uh, I think it was. Uh, she was the one who used um, Habitat for Humanity. One of those, Right. They, they, the people they hired were not on the up and up. They were using the worst materials. They didn't care, they wanted the money and they basically stole from Oprah. But again, Oprah is a celebrity. She's not a developer. So after lending her name and helping this whole thing get started and she made this big thing about how she was choosing the people who were gonna live on Angel Lane, her heart was in the right place. The problem is then she went on to do her other things. She didn't go and do any follow-up to find out how did those houses turn out? Are those people still happy? Um, and the truth is most of those houses no longer exist. Uh, the few that do, the water heaters broke early on. There's a story of, a, of an old woman who lives in one of those houses who has to boil water just to take a bath. Um, a lot of them have graffiti all over them. They've, they've t- completely come down. Brad Pitt's houses did the same. His Make It Right Foundation no longer exists. It had to shutter its doors because it was sued for so much money by the people who ended up getting sick living in these houses that were full of mold. So it's not Brad Pitt's fault, but if you're gonna lend your name to something, it behooves you to then stick with it and see what the follow-up is. Did you actually end up helping people? Just because you helped build houses and gave money, just because you were there for the beginning, You know, as opposed to someone like John Bon Jovi, who is the opposite. He stayed with John Bon Jovi Boulevard. That was his effort to build homes for Katrina victims. He stayed that from the very beginning. He still goes back to make sure it's doing okay. He just built another park there because he realized that that there's more kids and they need more parks. His was a huge success because he stayed involved the whole time.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's those are really all very interesting examples of this, and certainly, um, you know, a caution to all of us, as you said, and especially if they're asking us to give them money for things. Exactly. Right. (laughs) You know, we can't just follow follow blindly either, and it seems like they like they certainly are in a lot of cases. Um, so let's switch a little bit now to celebrity politics, which is so huge right now. And you said it's morphed into identity politics, and this has actually damaged the country. So how, how has that happened? What And what do you mean by that?
1: So the good thing about identity politics is that it's inherent in it that your experiences matter. That's what identity politics really is. That, you know, if I'm a woman, my experience as a woman, it, that's my expertise. So I'm going to stump for the things that help feminism and help women. But what happens is when celebrities get involved with that, you know, it's okay for me to feel strongly about identity politics. Once celebrities mm-hmm. get involved, they shut themselves off to anything else, they no longer listen. And then a lot of times, What they do is they, like a good example, um, celebrities who like lately tried to empathize with us being in lockdown, you know, over the pandemic. I mean, from your $24 million mansion. I mean, excuse (laughs) me, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, like, thank you for saying it feels like being in jail. I know, I know. know. so that's what happens with identity politics is that they don't really have a personal experience. They don't really understand. They just, you know, like black lives matter recently. One of the most cringy things was watching all of those white celebrities make that video where they were like, I'm ashamed of being white. It's like, again, this is not about you. This is not what black lives matter is about. It was so cringy because they were taking the concept of, it, of identity politics and trying to, apply it to themselves. And, and again, their hearts were in the right place, Right, but, but they, they don't understand the bigger issue and the bigger picture. It's, it makes them too myopic. So if you really want to help Black Lives Matter, don't make stupid videos where you're apologizing for your white privilege. Instead, you know, use your celebrity to go to Congress and go to local politics and try to make changes that are truly going to help instead of uh, making it poor me. You know, with with celebrity identity politics, it becomes about them. Exactly.
0: And and also with the Black Lives Matter, it's it's become a slogan, but there's also a foundation associated with that, which I know is coming under a lot of scrutiny right now, too. And I, I think a lot of people don't even associate that. The two are together in some way, but again, well, it's well, like,
1: and that's the thing. Now, celebra- looking at and what you're to, exactly, yeah. right, right, and celebrities don't it, and that's that's another. Again, it's another situation where they just they jump on Twitter or they jump on Instagram the minute something happens without even thinking, and they end up, you know, either saying something really stupid, or they damage their own brand, or they, you know, take a cause and they not only make it about them, but they really um watered down the importance of it
0: and well you know yeah and early on in your book too you you and as you said you spent a lot of time like being the fly on the wall and you were right. young looking at celebrities who and as you said they are they are different and i was laughing it, it was laughable some of the things that you said celebrities have asked you that just blew my mind you know so like they're not like us in a lot of ways
1: (laughs) right I mean you know when when I'm on a set like when one of the things that when I when I worked for Fisher Stevens I was on a lot of sets with him I was uh, his assistant I was also the assistant he's a director so I was an assistant to the director and I was on sets with him with some really famous people like just you know names that would shock you if I I mean I would never actually (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't say because I've signed enough uh, non-disclosures, but some of the questions they, they were asking me, I mean, were just absolutely shocking in terms of like the things that they didn't know, simple things about the world that they, that they didn't know. And it was just, um, it was sad, but it really kind of showed the, the disconnect between how a celebrity is treated and how the rest of us are treated.
0: Right. And how also they could go down these roads of supporting things that, they haven't really looked into very deeply either, which is a big part of your book. So now I want to move on to, I have to say, I think my favorite chapter in your book is the one on celebrity pseudo-experts, because gosh knows, (laughs) there's a lot of them out there. And the great case in point is Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop, which honestly always makes me want to throw up personally. I mean, and selling $1,000 jade eggs and some of this ridiculous stuff that she houses. But she has this huge, she has her groupies and her following. She does these events and they pay like $1,500 to spend five minutes in her presence to have a cup of tea with her. So talk a little bit about that because, and it's funny, but some of it could actually be very harmful.
1: Oh no, most of what Gwyneth Paltrow is espousing is harmful. In fact, you know, every time her whole thing is all about toxicity. Everything's toxic. Well, if everything's toxic, then there should be lawsuits against the FDA because it's the FDA's job to make sure that the products we use are non-toxic. That's what they do, they're the experts. But yet she has this narrative that everything's toxic, which is just simply untrue, it's just it's a bold-faced lie. She finds people that are not doctors, but they're experts in some form of health. Like they took a seminar on a Saturday and now suddenly they're an expert in cancer, for example. Um, and now they're coming <laughs> out and saying, well, you know, don't do this and don't do that. They create problems that people don't have. And then lo and behold, where's the solution? It's on Goop. Just buy our $300 product. That's your solution. I mean, she's the original snake oil salesman, you know, where she comes and tells you that all these things are wrong with you. And here's the handy dandy solution right here on my website, you know, and, and uh, I've done a lot of research on who her customers are. She has two customers. She has journalists who buy their products on the company's dime to test them and make fun of them for the p- papers they're writing for mm-hmm. and her main customer are people who have health issues like real health issues but they're not satisfied with what the doctor has prescribed to them you know or the doctors prescribe something that's either not working or it's not enough you know it's one thing if you have cancer and you want to eat healthier and do things separately and you're going through chemo or you're going through radiation or you're, you're having cancer treatments and you also exercise more, eat better foods for yourself. It's something else to turn to somebody like Gwyneth Paltrow, who is not a doctor, she is an actress, to turn to her and ask her for salves and things that will help cure cancer, which some of her products have said they do, you oh know, if, listen, let me tell you something. If, if she has products that cure cancer, that should be front page news.
0: Yeah, exactly. and, cancer, and, I, and, so- I've,
1: and I've interviewed oncologists about this and oncologists have said, God, you know, if she has something that will cure cancer, I don't want to put my, my patients through chemo and radiation. It's terrible. If she has a drink or a salve that can cure cancer, by all means, show it to us let us know like this is major news why would you keep it to your website and charge so much money for it you know so um the other problem is that she's also very superficial the the goop uh philosophy is all about physical beauty and that physical beauty is proof that a person is probably healthy and Mm -hmm. righteous so if the outside is perfect the inside must be too that's her whole philosophy. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, I mean, it's
1: literally snake oil. She's a snake oil salesman. And I feel really sad for the people that are spending money they don't have to buy products they don't need just to make her wealthier.
0: Exactly. And then there's all, you know, you talk about Twitter and the celebrities, and, you know, there's some of them have so, you know, millions of followers, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram. And they have, they have a responsibility to those people, which they don't live up to a lot of time. You know, their voice right. and influence uh, is heard. and It's listened. So and the what? most
1: damaging thing is when they say, I'm an American too. I get to have an opinion. But your opinion counts more. Yes. It's not like, you know, if I tweet something that I feel politically, it's not like I have millions of people who are then going to go buy something, do something, sign something. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you're allowed to have an opinion, of course, but you also have a responsibility to the people who are following you, who are looking to you as an expert. They think you're an expert. They think when you tweet something, you know, something they don't know.
0: Exactly. And they have the platform and they have the platform to do that too. So talking about toxicity, we, we have to talk a little bit about politics because we've never lived in a more toxic, I don't think political environment in my, since I've been alive, that's for sure. And uh, you know, just depending on what your your politics are, you can be boycotted or revered. But you do talk a bit. You know, we always think of Hollywood as being so liberal. You do talk about the conservatives in Hollywood,
1: too. Right? The, yeah, there's a lot more conservatives in Hollywood than you realize. The only difference is, I mean, there's the obvious ones that you hear about all the time, like the James. Uh, Woods and the uh, John Voight, the Scott Bayos of the world. I mean, they love to speak out and talk about how conservative and liber- and um and against liberals they are. But there's a there's a lot more. Uh, there are a lot more conservatives in Hollywood. They have just learned to keep their mouths shut. And every once in a while, it'll sneak out like um, Robert Downey Jr., you know, or Denzel Washington so it's somebody that understands that if they have a political opinion it's going to have a negative effect even if they're liberal even if they're i mean there's liberals in hollywood that are so far left that would never say it because they know it's going to have a negative impact on their brand and what's their brand you know some of these celebrities it's more than just the money they make to make a film you know it's like they they don't want to not be paid 20 million dollars for a film but it's it's they understand that they have a responsibility because the people that shoot the film and edit the film and the people that provide food for the film all of those people are relying on them to shut up to not say anything because their livelihood is affected
0: exactly and these celebrities many of them are big brands i mean they're big brands just like All the consumer products we tend to think about and if you're a big brand you've got a lot of people that um that you're supporting with that brand so it's it uh, gets pretty 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 serious there exactly i mean like lance armstrong is a good example yeah you know lance
1: armstrong when he was at his peak and he was winning all those tour de france uh medals trophies i don't know what it is (laughs) because i don't know anything about sports um but as you know when he was winning um, Livestrong was worth a half a billion dollars as soon as we found out that he was cheating and he had all of his championships taken away and he was persona non grata you know today as of as of 2019 when I wrote the book um, Livestrong was worth 1.7 million wow, so, they lost, so they lost so they lost all of that money but they're still doing great work they're still helping cancer victims like they're still needed but because Lance Armstrong took a hit, they took a hit. So it's, it's that responsibility that a lot of celebrities in Hollywood that do have political opinions, they realize, you know what, it's not worth my telling you how I feel about Donald Trump to,
0: for all of these people to lose their jobs as a result. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're also saying now that celebrity activism is changing, and how is that, and is this for better or for worse? And I know you haven't really, we haven't talked about Kim Kardashian, but (laughs) that's a whole issue, and of course now she's becoming a lawyer, so let's talk about that a little bit on the, how its activism is changing.
1: You know, in my book, I call her the future of celebrity activism, and she really is like people like she and John Stewart, where they stump for causes and truly help people, not just lend their name. You know, it's one right. thing to it's one thing to lend your name and then the charity goes and collects money and you're somehow associated with it, but you're not really involved. People like John Stewart and Kim Kardashian who are putting their time into really changing. I mean, her, her platform on criminal justice reform right. is, I mean, it's revolutionary. And if you would have told me five years ago that Kim Kardashian was going exactly. to be involved with this, I would be like, what are you crazy? I mean, she's only interested in, in herself and making money and just selling her perfume and getting naked. So she really is the future of celebrity activism where they are not going to ask us for money. They're going to show us by example that this is a cause that needs attention and they're not gonna do it by just speaking about it. They're gonna do something about it. She, I mean, she is not a supporter of Donald Trump. She voted for, for Hillary Clinton and she had pictures all over her Instagram of Hillary Clinton, how much she loved her. Yet she went to Donald Trump and said, we need to pass this first step act or the step up act, I forget what it's called. Yeah. Um, where people come out of prison and we help them not go back to prison and not go back to a life of crime, and here's a list of things we need to do to help them. And he said, great, I'm signing it. So he didn't say, did you vote for me? He said this makes – she convinced him that this was a good idea. And remember, her partner is Van Jones, who is super liberal and speaks on CNN all the time. So everything about this was rife with Donald Trump to reject it, but he didn't. Mm He signed it, and he pardoned a lot of the people that she came to him and said you need to pardon this woman who went to prison for 30 right. years for a joint,
0: exactly. you know, for like a
1: little bit of pot. And, you know, the 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 nonpartisan uh, celebrity activism, I think, is what we're going to see in the future. And Kim Kardashian is a great example of it.
0: Well, that's really good to hear, and I do hope that celebrities – more celebrities will step up like like her and like John Stewart and realize that you know they do have a voice and they can affect change in a very good and positive way. And those are just two really great examples of that. And this has been so much fun talking to you, Cooper. Honestly, it's such It's such a fascinating book. Everyone has to go out and get this book because you will just be intrigued. It's an eye opener. You'll start thinking about celebrity in a very different way. So I really want to thank you for being my guest today. Thank you. Yeah, it's just been so fun. And to learn more about Cooper, you can visit her website, which is cooperlawrence.com. And again, her book is Celebritocracy, The Misguided Agenda of Celebrity Politics in a Postmodern Democracy. It's up on Amazon and it's available at bookstores everywhere if you can actually get inside a bookstore, (laughs) (laughs) which hopefully we will soon, but you can definitely, definitely get it online. And now I can't wait to read, um, I can't wait to read all your other books now because it's just a delight. So thank you. Yeah. So good luck with everything that you're doing, which which is a lot. You're amazingly accomplished. And thank you for writing this book and being my guest today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. Thank you, Tomatoes.
0: <laughs> Thanks.